Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. We're going to stick with the Boston stuff right now, okay? New England Patriots going to play their first AFC East divisional game against the Dolphins on Sunday night football. Got to preview this one. Guys, the big thing that the Patriots will have to be focusing on this week is how they're going to be able to contain Juju. Four catches, 33 yards on seven targets in week one. Played 43 of New England's 80 offensive snaps. This man is going to help the Patriots get it done. Yeah, well, that's the hope right now. I mean, the the unfortunate reality of this situation for a guy, Dad, that they paid $25 million to with 16 guaranteed over three years is that he seems like he's kind of on the outside looking in right now. There's people wondering for Juju Smith-Schuster, who was sensational last year with the Kansas City Chiefs, was a huge, almost mimicked Travis Kelsey. He was almost like his mirror where he didn't have maybe the explosiveness, which is never really a hallmark of Juju's game, but he was great as a possession receiver, great as a foil there, had Patrick Mahomes' trust in pivotal moments. But coming over to New England, I know he's dealt with a knee injury coming off this offseason. He didn't participate in OTAs or minicamp, but did miss a snap in training camp and just hasn't looked right since, Dad. So uh, another, and this is kind of the history of the Patriots, more so in the draft, but wide receiver always been a position that that organization has just struggled to evaluate and execute on. 
they've hit on slot receivers and one ride receiver yeah. and Randy Moss, right? Yeah. And that's and, and, and then some slot guys. Yeah, I, I saw on Twitter yesterday everybody saying, "Oh, Juju, you know, look at look at look at what he's doing. He was never anything." Well, well last year you just mentioned it. I mean, Kelsey led with 110 receptions. He had 78. There were only two guys with over 100 targets. It was him and Kelsey last year in Kansas City. He did well for Kansas City in helping them get a Super Bowl ring. Now it was on a one-year 3.75 deal where he got three for 25 with 16 guaranteed from New England. And it just seemed like, you know, Kansas City is like, we're not, we're not going there. We've we have now proven we can do it with different wide receivers. Yeah. And oh, by the way, they're in that mode again. They need a guy to stand up uh, that's going to be beside Travis Kelsey when he comes back to see who that's going to be. But they've done it before and they feel they can do it again. So Juju gets more money and goes over to New England. I'm curious as well as to that knee, uh, how much that might be holding him back and how much of a part of this offense he can be because that's, again, what's holding back this New England team is their offense, their defense. You know, is always going to be a tough defense with Bill Belichick. A great test going up against Miami. Remember the two games last year, opening opening game. Miami wins at twenty to seven. Then later in the season, you know, Tua is out and they lose it. Uh, you know, he missed a lot of time during the latter part of the season. New England wins at twenty three twenty one in the second game there. So that, that that's going to be the worry. Is Mac Jones going to step up and be the guy? Who are you throwing the ball to on the offensive side? And pray your defense keeps carrying you like they've been. And we saw Hunter Henry get a ton of targets in week one. It seems like there's trust there. But also, we're early in the season, and we have now a two-game sample size of the Eagles that says, all right, pretty good landing spot for tight ends right now, especially if you're playing fantasy football. Back-to-back weeks where we've seen guys be productive against them, albeit, you know, Hunter Henry, talented tight end name, everybody knows. TJ Hawkinson, the highest-paid tight end of the league, so you'd expect him getting a lot of balls his way, but you wonder how matchup-specific that is. And then looking at this char- at this uh, Dolphins opponent, Dad, matchup-specific here, we saw the uh, Chargers run all over them last week. And so for a New England team that has lived like that, for the last couple of years, by and large, you wonder if now this is a game where, all right, we don't have to test that all that much because you get a chance to go out here and rush on a defense that completely different structure than what you saw last year. Vic Fangio, more of the four down front, two high safeties, going to try and take away big plays that obviously he can flex and morph. Vic Fangio is one of the best defensive minds in football. And so how they'll challenge the Patriots will be interesting. But week to week, this is now what we could start to build on because we got some new faces and new places in the early NFL season. Yeah, uh, th- th- this is one way, obviously, New England could could be in this game is to run the ball and control the clock. That keeps that high-flying offense of Miami's off the field. That's about as old-time yeah. football strategy as there is, even though this offense can prove they can score pretty quickly. And if you get in a situation where you have to match score for score, New England is not going to be in this game. It's just not. So that's why I say a lot falls on this defense for New England. And as you mentioned, the rush defense for Miami is uh, is to slow down that running game. Make Mac Jones beat you, right? Make the air attack of New England, whatever that's going to be, make them beat you. This feels like New England versus the early Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs, where they would just, even with Tom Brady, their strategy was to take the air out of the ball. That was the Patriots right. putting fullbacks in the backfield, lining up in 12, multiple multiple running back, multiple tight end personnel groups, and just saying, we got to wear you out because we don't want to go score for score in that same way with you guys as we saw there. You mentioned the matchup on the other side. That's what everybody's paying to see. 
Like this Miami Dolphins off, offense versus New England on defense. Miami shredded the Chargers last week. I think New England is going to provide a much different challenge for them. We know overall Bill Belichick, one of the better defensive like minds that football has had for a while, especially crafting a game plan. And I will say that the rush up front for the Chargers and for Nick Bosa and company there – that was a group that didn't really seem to be able to bother Tua Tungavailoa. And I heard our compatriot Mike Lombardi here talking about the fact that they were kind of rushing past the quarterback there. They weren't containing right, well. Right. The one thing this New England defensive front, I think, does as well as anyone, and you've got Matthew Judon out there. I thought uh, Keon White, uh, their defensive rookie out of Georgia Tech, looked sensational last week in limited reps. They're good at closing the net. You know all about that as a former D lineman, keeping the quarterback within your clutches and closing the net on a guy like Tua that was able to move around and beat you deep if you weren't careful like that. Yeah, yeah. I think you meant Joey Bosa for the Chargers rushing. Yes, oh, God, just, yeah. Just well, listen, pick a Bosa brother. They're both, you know, guaranteed over a hundred million dollars. So easily confused, no doubt about it. The one thing I'll say, and, and you're right, it's always about I, I mean, I'll talking about some of the keys when I did the Giants Dallas game. One of the keys I said before the game is keep Daniel Jones in the pocket. Do not let him get out. And that first drive, the only drive the Giants look good, Daniel Jones must have got out of the pocket three times on that. They just didn't do it. Tua has been doing well from the pocket, though. As long as he can throw on time, that's going to be the thing. Is can he throw on time? Because he led the NFL. He had eight. We just again, just as we talked about the long ball being dead, he led the NFL with eight passes that traveled at least 20 yards last week. Yeah. So what do you need though for that? You do need time. You need time to let your receivers run their routes to get downfield, and he'll stay in the pocket and stay in the pocket so that, as you call it, the O-line, that cup protection, just kind of keep them safe. But you're right. I see DNs running past all the time. All you're doing is giving the quarterback a chance to take one step up and then a bunch of steps outside and break contain. So keep them in the pocket. But I will say Tua has been deadly from the pocket. I think we saw, though, with the Patriots against the Eagles in week one, what they were able to do was crush the pocket, collapse it. They made Jalen Hurts uncomfortable and got to him in a way that was in an offense that's used to timing and rhythm like that, deadly for them. And so I think their Russian approach is interesting. Obviously, you know, Kyle Duggar, Christian Gonzalez looked really good coming out of the gate as a rookie on the back end. They've just they've got one of the more competent grown up defensive units in football yes. with a master of game planning. For the Dolphins, though, they did have to be heart and protection looked pretty good without Teron Armstead last week, which was a huge blow to them in the season prior. You can look to two his splits when Teron Armstead was healthy and when he was not during the course of last year. And I saw Teron was back uh, in a normal jersey at practice this week, so things started I to mean, look back up for him too. I mean, listen, we you you know former teammate with him and watching this guy do what he does. I mean, now a back and ankle and a knee he's been dealing with. He has been so nicked up, but man, when he is on, wow, is he fun to watch. He is such an athletic tackle. There are few people as physically gifted walking yeah. this earth than, you know, better than Teron Armstead. He is an unbelievable force and a huge guy for that locker room. So I, I hope he gets back up there soon. I saw Tua saw his car broken down on the side of the highway on his way to the state, the uh, facility the other day and didn't stop to help him. So trouble in paradise, question mark, maybe. <laughs> um, Dad, let's look at, at the other side of this. We talked a lot about that Chargers matchup from last week against the Dolphins. 
great opportunity for them now going on the road against the Tennessee team that was just dreadful last week. One of Brian Tannehill's worst performances we've seen in a while. His first three interception, no touchdown pass game since his rookie season, just the third of his career. They look terrible in a real rock fight of a game here. How do you look at this one, Dan? I think a lot of people are really concerned seeing Derrick Henry and seeing that Chargers defense that just does not seem still apt at stopping the run the way that's been a trend for the last couple of years. We, we had talked about what each team needs to do to take that next step. And for, for the Chargers, it was. It was stop the run. Well, yeah, here comes Derrick Henry. Great. I mean, you know, be careful of the stiff arm. Know where the stiff arm's coming from. I'm somewhat amazed because Tennessee has gotten to a point further at some points, but not able to get over the hump. They just don't have enough of a passing game. You know the defense is always going to be tough. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons is a monster in in the middle uh, of that defensive line, but you just don't trust their offense enough. You always ask the question, okay, can you control a game, and you can with a Derrick Henry, but can you get yourself back into a game if need be? And that can be the struggle for them, right? especially in an AFC full of offenses, as we get them going, as we kind of start to see what offenses are going to be and what those teams are going to look like, you're going to get some higher scoring offenses. And Tennessee is not one of those. They, they don't put up the points, or at least they, they have a tough time matching the points when they have to come back. So you have a Chargers team who, who, certainly, who certainly can put up points quickly and and I don't know if Tennessee can match that that's and that's the one thing that has surprised me over the years with Mike Vrabel and that team trying to get to the next level is but I guess it's the old question too that they keep having Ryan Tannehill but I guess the question is well where are you going out if you don't have Ryan Tannehill and I'm I know there's a number of people out there say well there's a few directions you can go but you're staying with Tannehill he just keeps going over and over again can be good can be bad like he was last week but unfortunately for them to where they want to go, it doesn't seem like he can be great at a consistent level to make that offense a worthwhile offense that says, yeah, they're going to threaten down the line. I mean, back-to-back years, they've spent higher-end draft capital on a quarterback. That tells you what the Titans think of Ryan Tannehill at this juncture, right? He's been a guy that's been a confident player in this league for a long time, but they went Malik Willis a year ago, and they went Will Levis this past year, albeit getting Levis at a discount that most people didn't think you could pre-draft. So, yeah, I, I, I think if it keeps up, and I don't expect it again, that's just the third time in his career he's thrown for no touchdowns and three interceptions in a right, game right, right, against the yeah. Saints secondary that's pretty good, on the road in one of the most hostile environments in the NFL. All those things as mitigating factors, but the clock's ticking on him, and I do wonder what the leash is going to look like this upcoming season for him because – offensively like well even even your biggest move on offense dad you know the deandre hopkins signing this offseason as we spun the wheel on his free agency for so long it's not necessarily something i think that's going to bear you the most fruit just because if you've got a quarterback who's struggling deandre hopkins has not been for a while a receiver that gets open in massive windows right he's a great contested catcher he's a great guy with you know to go up in a solid set of hands but a ton of space around the ball isn't necessarily how he's gotten down. And so I don't know how that works with Ryan Tannehill right now. Well, and again, you ask, you know, for Tannehill, how long does does it go if things start going bad? It goes as long as what they think of Malik Willis or Will Levis are doing in practice. You know, are they playing well enough, you know, where or, you feel comfortable the putting them in? enough to where you'd rather get the reps for a young guy like I can remember very yeah. vividly when I almost got sat down my last year at Notre Dame, the conversation was, if you don't stop making these mistakes, I can get a young guy in there to make mistakes 
who we can get more reps in for the future. So I think that's right. the calculus for the Titans is, hey, is Ryan Tannehill bad enough to where you'd rather go out here and let Will Levis make some mistakes at full speed so you can see what the future might look like? So that's that's going to be in the, what, the 7-8 game mark to see where you are at around the halfway point, seven, eight, nine games, maybe unless you're really a bat out of the gate after five or six to make that decision. But you're right, and that's exactly what you should do if you feel it's not going well and you want to get someone reps. Put them in. I've always said get their eyes watered, their nose bloody, get them some reps in, get them learning. Yeah, I, I, it certainly seems, and we've seen a bunch of you know teams take that approach this upcoming se- this season, I should say. So I'm going to be fascinated to watch that. Uh, this game, again, is a total styles make fights matchup. We'll see, especially against this stout Tennessee defensive front, if all of a sudden we get Kellen Moore pushing the ball downfield a little bit more the way people have wanted with this Chargers offense. Because, um, Dad, the Titans have, on the other side rushed the ball 47.2% of plays from scrimmage in the last season, fifth highest in the NFL. Chargers allowed over like around five and a half yards of carry. So they can make this ugly if they want to, but it's so overwhelmingly obvious that the Chargers feel like they need to go and get this thing done. The Chargers had 11 running backs go for over 100 yards last year, including Derrick Henry was one of them. And I have, I would have no doubt he's going to do it again, right? I mean, you want to talk about an easy over, is Derrick Henry over the 100. I'd be stunned if he didn't get there. Yeah, I would be too. Uh, so looking at that one, I'm just trying to pull the line up. The Chargers are a three-point favorite on the road in this one, Dad. I, I understand that Tennessee can probably drag them down in the muck, but – I'm betting on the Chargers team that I still, maybe yeah, I'm trying I to will too. myself to at this point. I'd probably take the Chargers and lay the points on this. I, I just think this has got to be a real put up or shut up week. It's already been a really interesting, at times uncomfortable conversation around Brandon Staley that we've seen being had publicly right. about some of the things that he's done. This team's got to start to show progress immediately here against a team in Tennessee that struggled mightily in week one. Yep, I agree. Staley's name's starting to get batted around a little bit. And I think for the Chargers, we have expected a little more to feel like maybe if they don't get some more decent this year, it's an underachievement, though they still need to as they're trying to fix that run defense because that's a tough part of your defense to be bad because that just means you're getting handled at the line of scrimmage and the other team can control the ball. Dolphins, by the way, going back to that first game, three-point favorites on the road against New England, too. So that one I'm a little more leery on just because yeah. it is Bill Belichick. It is, although the Dolphins have always been froggy with that team. I was going to say, the, the Dolphins years. have always had the Patriots number. It is people up here hate it. Yeah, it's, yeah been, I, it's been incredibly frustrating. But, Dad, the one thing that people were frustrated with Brandon Staley that I'm sure is not going to be the case with New England is – you weren't double teaming Tyreek Hill enough for the appetite of some people. And we know the old Bill Belichickism. He's going to take away the thing that yep, you do best. Is. There are going to be plenty of people escorting Tyreek Hill around the field. I can damn sure tell you that much. But Tyreek Hill, is, what but, do you say? Yeah. He's not a he's not a cheetah. Maybe he's a lion. So, mm. you know, he said that himself. Bet, you know, you know what? The Lions would like him to be a lion, quite <laughs> honestly. Yeah. No. Uh, but I, I I'm taking I'm taking both these road teams and I'm I'm giving the points. I think I'd take New England plus three, but I'm with you with uh, the Chargers uh, as well on that one. Dad, let's look at the last game we got here uh, before we actually get to talk to a member of the Lions and Jason Cabinda, who's going to be coming up with us in just a few minutes here. Seahawks at Lions this week, Dad. The Lions obviously coming sky high off a big win in week one on the road at Arrowhead. Uh, and Seattle quite literally limping into this game. You had to sign 41-year-old Jason Peters to the uh, practice squad 
for your offensive line because you could be without both tackles this weekend. Dad, I, I think the Lions got a really good chance to keep this thing rolling this weekend. It's the perfect landing spot. We saw young players getting a chance to eat defensively for the Los Angeles Rams last week. Byron Young and company getting looks once those tackles started to go down for Seattle. Made like hell on offense. Aiden Hutchinson had one of his best games as a pro week one against a much better Kansas City offensive line. And I feel like this is another great spot for that Lions defense to get a little bit more confidence going forward. They'll get tested on the back end, but I think up front they got a good chance to win this matchup. I love how they're playing Aiden Hutchinson, playing him at both ends, playing him down uh, in the middle as well, like a D tackle in that uh, in that nickel situation, kind of like the old NASCAR from the Giants years ago, where you you're putting D ends down in the interior as well. So I love the way they're moving him around. These teams have played uh, the last two years. They've played it's their third straight year. They've combined to score eighty plus points in each of the past two games. If I'm going to trust one defense to come up better than no defense is the last two times they've they've played since you have 80 plus points total i'm i'm leaning toward the detroit defense especially because of the rush they can get especially as you mentioned charles cross to sprain big toe we don't know about him abraham lucas is out he's on injury reserve over the right tackle so they're bringing in a backup there so I, I, that's where I give that matchup on the line to scrimmage to that Detroit line uh, defensive line defensively. And I think that's the side of the ball that will pick up the slack from the last two years. Yep. And I think if you're looking on the other side, the Detroit Lions offense only put up 14 points last week. Remember, one of those yeah. scores was the defensive touchdown by them. Ben Johnson and company have to go out here and show a little bit better for themselves in this game. But thankfully for them, all the places that we saw the Los Angeles Rams attack using similar formula, right? There was more play action from Matthew Stafford, more multiple tight end steps for the uh, Los Angeles Rams, and they gashed him in the middle of the field. What do the Lions love to do but play action, multiple tight ends, and Jared Goff lethal from about 16 yards and in in the middle of the field. So uh, the Lions five-point favorites here, I expect them to cover that this week. Yes, I expect that too. offense to not get as cute and to get back on track. And to help us talk about that, coming up next, we want to welcome in Lions Superback Jason Cabinda as we look ahead at the rest of the outlook for the 2023 Detroit Lions next on Gojo and Golik. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome and with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research development and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust and it's great in convenience too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently just like any other routine health habit and Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine
routine, again, with no refrigeration required. So trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25gojo. There's nothing worse than the mad dash to try and secure tickets for an event. The fact is, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. It's easy to browse the Game Time app for flash deals and last minute tickets. There's even a lowest price guarantee and event cancellation protection. And forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code GOJO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code GOJO for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. So the guys got to catch up with the Lions' Jason Cabinda all about the season outlook and how Detroit has just started their season off with a bang. Check it out. All right, heading into week two of the NFL season. Very excited to talk to a man whose team is currently undefeated, Jason Cabinda, fullback for the Detroit Lions. Jason, how you doing, man? Appreciate you uh, spending some time What's with us. What's going on, guys? Appreciate y'all having me on, man. I appreciate it. Oh, I tell you, just take us back. Now, Mike and I uh, did a show outside Arrowhead Stadium last week, and then we watched the game up from the press box. And and just watching that game and seeing you guys win that, get, tell us what was going down in the locker room and how much you enjoyed that before you had to forget about it for this week. Man, it was sweet. Um, you know, I always love playing at Arrowhead. You know, it's a special stadium. You know, it's a great environment. So, to, you know, to be able to go in there and take care of business and, you know, really just get confirmation, you know, to ourselves in terms of what kind of team we knew we were going in there, you know, to be able to go in there and handle business the way we did handle the, you know, the adversity that we, we, we came across during the game and stuff like that and be able to handle it and, and take care of business was awesome. And, and it was really good to see. I think the big question is, did you have a barbecue while you were out there? I did, man. Have me, have me some Jack Stacks. Oh, there we go. Oh, we there you go. Jack we did Stacks, too. I, yeah. I knew we were in the right spot because as we were going to Jack Stack, Dad was sitting down inside. Right. I had to go outside and take a phone call. And up walks your yeah. guy's offensive line coach, Hank Fraley. So I'm like, all right, if the O-line coach is yeah. over at the spot, we know we picked the winner out here for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Hank loves him some good food, man. I'll tell you that. No, definitely. And he, uh, it, it, listen, it worked out. It was great fuel for you guys. And, and – Listen, the start to the season, like you mentioned, confirming a lot of things. What's it been like for you guys now? You've been here through some thin years in Detroit to have these expectations now where you guys are the team everybody looks at and expects to be winning. I think it's awesome. You know, I've been here the past five years, and, you know, it's, it's been a long five years, and I'm not going to lie. You know, it's been a lot of turnover. Um, you know, not a whole lot of winning, obviously. I haven't been to the playoffs and stuff like that, so – you know, I think to to be in a position now where, where you know people are talking about us and it, it feels like we have a bit more respect. You know, at the end of the day, uh, I think we don't really look much into it. You know, at the end of the day, it's it's the next game, the next day, the next practice. You know, we're very process driven in terms of you know those kinds of things. But 
you know, there's no doubt where, you know, you hear that that kind of stuff, the media talking about us, you hear about the respect we're getting from other teams and stuff like that. It, it's good to hear. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we got to go out there and we got to perform. We got to go take it every single day. And, you know, that's our mindset. You know, every single week we got to go out there and we got to earn our respect because at the end of the day, this is the NFL. You know, it's the league. Every single day you got to go out there and you got to prove yourself. And I think we have that attitude and we all, we all know that as individuals and as coaches inside this building. As a current player and two former players here, we all can agree, I'm sure, that we all hate training camp, no matter what training <laughs> camp is. So I'm wondering, because I remember sitting there a few years ago, hearing Dan Campbell's introductory speech, talking about biting kneecaps and being <laughs> tough of this. And I remember saying to my wife, man, those players, current players on the rosters are going, oh, no, this training camp is going to be hellish. And what was your <laughs> thought when you heard that talk out of Dan and then going into that first camp? Yeah, you know, we knew it was going to be tough, um, and, and we knew that we needed it. Uh, I think the biggest thing, I think, for a head coach, you know, when he first comes into a new team is kind of establishing culture, and I think Dan did a really, really good job of that with us, you know. Uh, you know, we're gritty, we're a hard-nosed group, you know, a physical football team, and we're full of smart football players. Um, and I think since day one, you know, Dan has d done a really good job of really instilling that culture in us and reinforcing that every single day and really just keeping us mindful of being purposeful in the way that we go about our days and the way that we attack every single drill, every team period, special teams, you know, whatever it is. Uh, I think that's really where it comes from is, is being purposeful in what we're doing. You know, we're never robots out here just going about our day and just kind of going through the motions. You know, that's that's never us and that's not what we're about. So I think, you know, Coach Campbell's done an awesome job. I mean, he obviously relates to the players being that he played as well I think when you have a coach like that who played and has that experience I just think there's like an extra you know paying attention to detail you just have just knowing that he's been in your shoes so um, I, I think we have a unique coaching staff all around I mean we have we have a, a bunch of guys that were you know dogs in the league you know let's, let's be real you know Dan Campbell you got Mark Brunel yeah. you got all these guys who you know played it's a very unique um, situation I think it's, it's really awesome because the, the relatability and, you know, it's just, it flows so well. Um, there's no disconnect between the players and the coaches here. and It's just a very unique situation. I'm just super proud that I'm a part of it. Yeah, I think your head coach has become somewhat of like a cult lovable figure. I mean, my younger <laughs> my younger sister, no joke, might be the biggest Dan Campbell fan on earth. She's got a giant <laughs> Dan Campbell graphic tee with him and a lion that she claims she is going to wear during childbirth. She's like nine, it's like seven months pregnant right now. <laughs> but it's because he wears his heart on his sleeve. Everyone sees him out there pouring his emotions out in front of you guys. Do you have a favorite Dan Campbell moment from behind the scenes with you guys all cutting it up together in the locker room like you talked about? I mean, he's real. Um, I, 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 there's a little, a little meme or screenshot. I guess I, I was getting tagged in during Hard Knocks, where Dan was giving us a, was giving us a pretty good speech, man. And he was talking about, you know, being able to drag teams into the abyss and and being able to tread water the longest and being, you know, the last team standing, so like that. And I just remembered how fired up I was, man. I was ready to run through a brick wall, and you could just see it in my face. And I think that's the reason why, you know, that meme had kind of blown up. And I have friends who to this day still send me like my face in that moment because I was just so freaking fired up. So um, that, that's definitely that's definitely up there for me. So I, I'm wondering for you from the, the position, you were a linebacker at Penn State, came into the league that way, and now you switched over to fullback, H-back, whatever they ask. You're, you're like that Swiss Army knife. What was it like going from, obviously, college is, is big time and then pros is as high as it gets, from hitting somebody as hard as you can and wrapping them up to now just hitting someone as hard as you can, you don't have to wrap them up anymore? 
it's uh it's it's different, but not too much different. Not too much different. You know, I'm just on the other side of the collision now. That's how I look at it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel like linebacker really helped me a lot. You know, transitioning to offense and stuff like that, and you know, just knowing defense, knowing you know the tells of defense, where guys are going to be. You know, uh, all those kinds of things um, have really helped me play offense and, and and make that transition. I think for me, the biggest thing probably was, you know, being able to work my confidence back up, just being that, you know, it's not something that you see every day, a guy, you know, switching sides of the ball, you know, this late in their football career, you know, being at the NFL level, it's not an easy thing to do. So I think for me, it was really just all about reps, you know, reps, 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 getting better every day at practice and then going out there and and, and taking the reps from practice and being able to, to take it to the game. And, you know, as I got more reps, I feel like I got more and more confident. And now I'm in a place where, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, doing my best out here to be the best player I can be and, and, you know, make holes for Demo and for Ja Gibbs and those guys. And, I mean, it's 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 exciting. You know, we got weapons. We got a lot of great players. It's it's cool being able to open up those holes for those guys and, and watch them be successful. Being on the kickoff team and where the kickoff has gone in the NFL, it's gone through a lot of changes. Trying to cut down on the concussions. We have the fair catch now it goes at a twenty-five, but still a lot of kicks out of the end zone. In a perfect world for you, it's never going back to what it was. We know that to keep the kickoff in the league in a perfect world what is your way that you think the kickoff should be honestly i, I thought how it was last year and how it's been the past few years was was already how it should be um i think where we're, we're at now is is an overstep um i know i'm not the only player that feels that you know there's a ton of guys i mean you guys know there's a ton of guys who make a living on special teams and kickoff is a big part of that you know it's one of the big four you know we got kickoff kickoff return pump pump return but you know kickoff's one of the big four you know to be able to affect that and let guys fair catch it and get the easy out to get to the 25 man I think to me it's BS um straight up um you know that's a that's a important part of our sport um I think it has a lot to do with the grit of our sport and I think by affecting the kickoff and kickoff return aspect of our our game is affecting the identity of our game um I I, I think we're going down a very slippery slope right now I think we are looking in terms of officials and rules and how things are going, it looks like we're trying to play flag football, um, to be honest. Um, I don't think it's right. Um, I think there's something special about the physicality of our sport that makes it so great because it takes a great deal out of you physically and emotionally. And I think to, you know, to take that out of our sport is just really, truly um, doing it a disservice. I, I, mean, I truly, truly believe that. It's, uh, it's disappointing to see. That is spoken like a fullback right there. I can see why you and Dan Campbell get along very well. I'm ready to run through a wall right now for you. Jason, we could sit here and talk to you all day, man. We appreciate all the time. Best of luck this weekend. And since you're a budding media star, we're going to have to get you back here real soon. All right, man? I would love to, man. Anytime you guys hit me up, I'm here, man. Appreciate you guys. Thanks. Thanks, Jason. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. This league, time to talk some NBA. So Giannis Antetokounmpo caused a bit of a stir a few weeks back when he said he would not be considering a extension with the Bucks until 2024. And Bucks fans have been having nightmares about that ever since. Well, he just gave them some more nightmare fuel on the 48 Minutes podcast. At the end of the day, I am a winner. I want to be a winner. Contracts, uh, fame status, uh, comfort zone does not matter to me. What matters at the end of the day, it's where that thing right there. That's what matters. I want us to win another championship. uh, But at the end of the day, I talk too much. and The game is played. It's not talked. You know, but as long as we play and we approach the game, every single day the right way and we all sacrifice for a common goal i can see myself being in milwaukee bucks for the rest of my career but the moment i feel like people are not committed as a, as as i am to get that uh, golden pin in the back i i i am not you know i am it's more than the money it's more than the fame it's more than the lobsters it's more than the wine it's more than the uh uh, ch- uh, what you call ch- charter flights, uh, yep. private flights. For me, it's it's all about that, and I want that. Confused for a second when he said the lobster. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I didn't was know doing, either. But then he said charter flights. He was talking about the rich people stuff. Yeah, right. Okay. Exactly. But I saw a headline saying that this was Giannis soft launching his future trade request. I mean, but we've seen. So this is my yeah. thing with Giannis is. This is exactly the playbook that he ran before his extension with Milwaukee that preceded the championship, where he kind of ended up stomping out what would have been a whole season full of Giannis headlines by signing that extension after he basically held their feet to the flames and look what it nettled him, right? Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, all these things that eventually help him win a championship. But dad, he's just, this is the most Midwest thing about Giannis is in a league full of star players dictating things to teams, Giannis will always couch it with, I want to be here forever and be like Dirk and Kobe, but if you don't work really hard for me, I might leave. Oh. So I, I'd like to hear his, the sound bites from him before he signed the extension, you know, because basically it was doing the same thing, right? I want to win. And they hadn't won then. You know, they hadn't won yet. Now they, they've won a championship. But what what was the sound bites before that? It was, what was because Well, that's exactly right. Because we, we talked about this then on whatever shows we were doing at that point about, uh, you know, this guy is trying to lay in the groundwork for, you want me to sign the extension? You better give me a team that's going to win a championship or has the ability to do that. So now what happens behind the scenes? You know, it's like, 
NBA players basically have the soccer players have a lot of power as well, the top ones. But NBA players have the most power of our our four major sports here in the States about dictating whether they want to be with a team or what a team does to make them stay. So is there is it is he just saying this into a microphone and hoping management heeds it? Is he and is he talking to management at all? Are they talking about what players to bring in or what manipulation to do on the team that would satisfy Giannis? Because you want him to sign, right? So the thought process would be to say, Giannis, what are some of the things maybe you're looking at that will keep you here, that will show you our interest in wanting to build a championship? And in all honesty, teams don't ever want to do that. They don't want to bring a player in. We talk about this with quarterbacks in the NFL. Oh, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, brought into the conversation. Nor a lot of times should you be brought into the conversation. But are we getting into a time where when you have a player with that much power that is obviously the the gift the, the most talented one or one of the best players around? Do you bring them in? Are you a management team and ownership that brings in those type of players to ask? What do you want? What will make you want to stay? Or is it just, hey, I'm throwing this out there. Take it for whatever you want and start putting some moves together that hopefully will make me happy. Well, guys, the people that they've brought in. So Chris Middleton is 32. Uh, right. You know, Brooke Lopez is 35. Drew Holiday is 33. So, like, you, you look at these players and it's hard to imagine that you're going to be able to keep Giannis happy for the long term here as these players start to age out a little bit and you're going to have to bring in some new faces in order for him to be pleased with his supporting cast. And I think that's the whole point of this is he sees that juncture as well and where this is going. Chris Middleton dealing with injury a lot in the last season. I think he's hyper aware of all that stuff and he understands his timeline could and should be a lot longer with this team. And dad, to your point about what level of influence these guys should have life is simple. Sometimes, man, we all got a boss. And if you want to keep drawing paychecks, you got to do something to make sure that boss feels the love and whether, you know, you still get your influence on a situation. You still ultimately want your agency. If you want to keep working there, you got to keep the boss happy. Giannis is daddy there. Like Giannis yep. is the boss in that organization. <laughs> he might not sign the checks, but the hopes and dreams of that thing don't rest on anybody sitting in management. It's not like you got one of those weapons up there that everybody thinks is God's gift. It's not like one of those names that we all know in the household, like Daryl Morey and some of these dudes that have been so public about their dealings. It's Giannis. Your secret to success has been you found a seven-foot Greek mutant who can go out there and do things on a basketball court that few people can do. So my free unsolicited advice, I would keep that dude happy for as long as humanly possible. I would bend over backwards to make sure that dude's happy. Life can be simple. Happy wife, happy life stuff. Giannis is your boss. Giannis, whatever you want to phrase it as here, that's the one thing you got to keep the main thing in Milwaukee. Period. So, I mean, that that's the decision to make, right, is – if you want him, if you want to win a championship, because we talked about this last time before he signed, if he's gone, Milwaukee goes back to an also-ran team that you don't get talked about a lot. With him, you're talked about all the time, and you're one of the top teams in the conference. So you get to make that choice. Do you spend more money or, or the money to bring in integral players and, and mess around with the luxury tax? Or do you say, you know, we're, we're more worried about that? That's what I think Giannis is talking about, where – what are the motives for you? You have, to, you have to spend some money to get us a championship. So be it. And by by the way, the spending is going to continue to be with him. 
Yeah, well, I was going to say, and that's part of it is most of it is these guys wanting their ownership to spend into the luxury right. tax and say, right. hey, I need yep. you to hurt a little bit if we're going to go out here and win this thing because I got needs and you need to fulfill them. So that's going to be an ever-present situation, I think, in Milwaukee until we see them do something substantive in this next iteration of the team. Dad, league-wide, we also saw uh, memos yesterday. The NBA Board of Governors voted on Wednesday to approve a tougher resting policy punishing teams with fines for resting stars for primetime national uh, national TV games and in-season tournaments, as well as multiple all-stars sitting out together for regular season games. This excludes a very specific crust of players in the league where players who are 35 years old, star players, so a star is deemed a player who made an all-NBA or all-star team in the past three years, who have played 34,000 regular season minutes or a combined 1,000 regular season and playoff games, according to Bobby Marks, a group of players that conveniently includes LeBron James, who I have to yeah. imagine factored prominently into where exactly these bars were set so he fell well under that. Oh, exactly. And again, from the stars, you mentioned the star players and what that entails. In total, 25 teams and 50 players are impacted by the new rules. That's about 11% of the league. And... Listen, I get it from the league side. You know, we, we always go back to the the back in the day when the Michael Jordans of you know played eighty two games or seventy five or more games. These guys were all playing almost all games, and they're some of the greatest players to ever play. And the one thing I'll say is we learned through science over the years to do things better. When I first got in the league, you basically weightlifted every body part until we started learning later in my time to lift specific to your position. So you grow in knowledge and you understand that resting is can be a part of it that will help you when the playoffs and the championship run starts because that's the most important thing. But then it seems like you go too far over that way and taking time off. And the NBA has to be concerned about their fans who buy tickets to the games and all of a sudden miss these players. So I get it from both sides. And now the league, it finally, like anything else, when it goes too far one way, one side has to kind of, in this case, the league kind of put their foot down and say, okay, we need to bring the pendulum back a little bit here. And it'll remain to be seen. Now, if this will be enough, I think the fines can start at about $100,000. And if you're an organization and you believe you're a championship caliber team and you would rather rest your stars on the schedule you set before the season to ensure that the main thing stays the main thing, is this going to be enough of a deterrent? It's the NBA's first shot at this. We will see how it goes. We'll give you three quick shots of this on the way out next here on Gojo and Golden. All right, guys, we're in the heat of the summer and you need a pair of great shades that you don't have to baby. Knockaround Sunglasses is the go-to for quality, polarized shades that won't break the bank. Plus, they just released the first set of teams of their official MLB collection, including Red Sox and Yankees. Don't be the person that's squinting into the sun or worried about getting sand on their overpriced sunglasses. Check out knockaround.com for great looking, polarized shades starting at just 28 bucks and use code GOLIC for free shipping on your order. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. 
Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Jesse Cofield. We'll send you off into the weekend with this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to finish off your day. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us a five-star rating, and check us out. DraftKings YouTube, DraftKingsNetwork.com, and Samsung TV Plus, uh, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. Uh, guys, let's get it started and let's get to this. Uh, the NFL made an announcement yesterday that Tottenham Hotspur Stadium has now officially been named the home of the NFL in the UK as part of the arrangement, the commitment staging to at least two regular season games there every year through the season in 2029. And Dad, we saw this before the NFL divvied up foreign marketplaces earlier this year where now NFL branding for specific teams could be placed in these markets as we see them continue to try and take this game and grow it, grow it globally. Yeah, listen, they're they're doing a good job playing in Germany for the first time last year. Going to do that again. I, I like how they're picking their spots and going around because it's incredibly popular. But it always leads to the question, will the NFL ever have a team permanently in a place like England? You know, because quite honestly, the flight from the East Coast to England is just like a flight from the East Coast to the West Coast. But I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's ever going to happen. Uh, there's either the talk of one team over there, a whole division over there. It's not going to happen. You're, you're, oh. you're dealing with money. You're dealing exchange rate. You're dealing with kids in schools. You're dealing travel. To me, Mike, there is zero chance that is ever going to happen. Oh, man, brother, you have a lot more faith in mankind and the strength of this thing and this league than I do. There is money to be had over there, which means I think, hell yes, we're getting a division over there at some point. And I know it's the NFL. It's different than college where things can be dictated. You've got a PA. You've got collective bargaining. Yes. But that money trickles down to everybody, and it is the discomfort of a few versus the comfort and the continued riches of many. And we know how hard owners tend to press for this stuff when there's money behind it. I completely disagree. This seems like it is inevitable. Yeah, I, I don't see it. Jesse, do you see that happening? You know, I love London. I think it's so cool to go over there. I think that the competition with football their version of football soccer is is uh, something to consider here because those are rabid fans of you know soccer over there those people love their sports so i don't know if football would be there's definitely money to be had gojo's right so at that point i don't think there's anything stopping the nfl if they can make some cash they're going to try and make it work but i think that it would be an issue trying to integrate it with f f european football well, they've been giving you small doses. It's like any antidote where you take you hear in movies, you take a little bit of the poison over time to make yourself immune to it. 
they've been playing these games in London since 2007. Like I didn't realize yeah. it had been that long. So they've been introducing this and now you've expanded to Germany, other spots there. We know football, American football, immensely popular south of the right. border here in Mexico as well. So they've always been very calculated about this. And that's why, again, when rich people seem obsessed with something and the rich people around the NFL seem obsessed with getting this game more and more across the pond in an overseas market, I don't doubt that they're going to get what they want done because that is showbiz. It baby. would just be tough because Premier League is in action now. So you would have two major leagues in action at the same time playing in technically the same stadium. So I don't know. Well, I'm sure, like you said, they'll find a way to make it happen. If there's money involved, they'll try and find a way. But you got to deal with the players and the union in this one as well. So it's not just like, hey, this we're going to do this and there's nothing you can do about it. There's a whole lot of hoops to jump through here. And we will wait and see what those hoops look like. But uh, let's get to that, Jesse. Uh, an interesting reminder about the limitations of celebrations that we got reminded of in week one. Yeah, Amon Ross St. Brown had a very memorable celebration on the field. And apparently he was one thrust away from a <laughs> flag being thrown. So he did his little pump celebration out there, which was quite entertaining to watch. And he got to the sideline and the wide receivers coach was like, hey man, one more pump. And they said they were going to throw the flag. Dad, we've seen this expressed yes, pretty clearly have. in the last few years. There is definitely a limitation on pumps and Amon Ross St. Brown flirting with the line there. I appreciate it. You can't know your limits if you don't test them. But this is one thing that weirdly the NFL has come in and legislated is you can't be out here getting too sexy on the camera at any given time. Do you think he was I, I counting in his head? Do you think he was counting? I was going to say, is there something in the rule book or is this subjected to the officials that think, you know what, that was one pump too much. We're going we're, we're gonna to flag you on this one. I'm one of those, as long as you're not in the grill of the other team showing them up, I, I'm, not a big, I, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of exercising flags on celebrations more like they do in college. I mean, my God, in college, it's a joke. Let the people celebrate a little bit. I know then you have to be careful. I, I, and I get it with the NFL. You can't bring in props, right? I mean, I understand that. Believe me. But as far as just celebrating, man, go ahead. But, but then you do, you do start crossing the line with the provocative celebration. That, that's where it makes it a little more difficult of when the ref steps in. But I'm, I'm usually all for a really, really good celebration as long as it's not in the grill of the opponents. And you know what? Even if it is in the grill of the opponents a little bit, this is high-level competitive athletics. These people are out there putting their bodies on the line each and every week. If you want to get up and talk smack to somebody on the other team, Deb, we talked about writing checks that your ass has to cash. At least you got to go back it up out there. If you want to go talk smack to a DB after you get over on him in the end zone, the only person you're potentially hurting is you, who's going to have to see that guy in the next series out there on offense. So, yeah, like anything else, there's a line. We all kind of know right, it at right, some right. point. But I'm pretty good with a little bit of taunting well, amongst players at this level especially. This is one of those where, and I think they call it too quick in the NFL, if you get up and stare at a guy. same Again, same thing in college. You stare an extra split second. This is purely for the youth, right? That's what this is. They don't want the, the you know, the eight year old or the fourteen year old or the seventeen year old doing this stuff. I mean, this Bro. this is they for the younger generation. They don't want to have to animate this in Andy's bedroom. Yeah. You know, that is true. Of, oh my god! Oh my Can god! Can you imagine? Oh my god! I did not think about this, and now we need someone on the jag. Good point. 
to step Good up point. and be our hero so that we've got some animated Toy Story character <laughs> doing violent pelvic thrusts in the end zone during, oh my God. We oh, would, Jesse, you've unlocked the code. That's yeah, really good. Yeah. It would be, I mean, these guys have the chance to do the funniest thing possible. Oh, from your lips to any God's ears, please deliver us this mana from heaven and ruin the purity of this product designed to reach the children. Jesse, let's get to the third here and get back to some purity on the field, some good old-fashioned balling from an unlikely source that now all of a sudden might be a little more on your radar. Yeah, Puka Nakua, man, he is a fantasy football darling. Okay, 15 target, 10 catch, 119-yard day in the Rams' week one win. So after that, he was the second most added wide receiver in fantasy leagues, over 14,000 ads. And he's also picked up a pretty sweet nickname here. Rams Darion Kendrick calling him Puka Doncic. Ooh. Uh, call him his nickname Puka Doncic. Puka Doncic? Yes, Puka for me. Doncic. He's going to surprise he's going to surprise the league this year <laughs> for sure. I love that. It's so <laughs> ah. original. I, you know what? It's one of those things that because I'm like trying to think about what the connection could be. Is there anything about Puka's game that would be reminiscent of Luka Doncic? And then I realized, no, we don't got to overthink this. He's got a name that sounds like Luka. And there are certain words you just don't get to rhyme very often. And God hands you a Puka and you're required to make this kind of connection with it. Sometimes, Dad, it could just be that easy. Listen, love to see the breakout. 15 targets, 10 catches, 119 yards. 44% target share tied for the largest in the NFL. And while they're playing San Francisco, so that would be, you would think a little tougher. San Fran since the beginning of last year has not done well against slot receivers, a place he and Tutu Atwell, you know, had divvied up the reps last week. So might be a good play in fantasy. I might be grabbing him on my team uh, this Sunday in our, our league that's going on, uh, but getting a nickname. Remember, you cannot give yourself a nickname. Somebody has to give you a nickname. That is an absolute. You give yourself a nickname. To me, it doesn't count. But when someone else gives you a nickname, I'm good with it. And the highest form of respect. That wasn't a guy in his room. Yeah. Darian Kendrick playing on the other side of the ball. So that is game recognizing game. That's a guy he's probably gone up against in practice a bunch who looked over and said, oh, no, this guy's kind of nice. We need to get him fitted up with a nickname here, which I respect a great deal. I respect all of you who watch and listen a great deal. If you enjoyed it, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us that five-star rating. Go ahead and subscribe to the DraftKings YouTube channel and enjoy football this weekend. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you on Monday.